Section 15 of The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 9. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andre Levy, AndreLevy.net, Lisbon, Portugal. The Book of the Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 9, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton Night 917 When it was the 917th night, she pursued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when King Jaliad charged his son with such injunctions, and made him his heir to succeed him in his reign, the prince said, O dear father mine, Thou knowest that I have ever been to thee obedient, and thy commandment carrying out, mindful of thine injunctions and thine approved seeking, for thou hast been to me the best of fathers. How then, after thy death, shall I depart from that which contenteth thee? And now, having fairly ordered my nurture, thou art about to depart from me, and I have no power to bring thee back to me. But, and I be mindful of thy charge, I shall be blessed therein, and great good fortune shall betide me. Quoth the king, and indeed he was in the last agony of departing life. Dear my son, cleave fast unto ten precepts, which, if thou hold, Allah shall profit thee herewith in this world and the next world, and they are as follows. Whenest thou art wroth, Curb thy wrath. When thou art afflicted, be patient. When thou speakest, be soothfast. When thou promisest, perform. When thou judgest, do justice. When thou hast power, be merciful. Deal generously by thy governors and lieutenants. Forgive thy foes. Be lavish of good offices to thine adversary, and stay thy mischief from him. Observe also other ten precepts, wherewith Allah shall profit thee among the people of thy realm, to wit, When thou dividest, be just. When thou punishest, oppress not. When thou engagest thyself, fulfill thine engagement. Hearken to those that give thee loyal counsel. When offence is offered to thee, neglect it. Abstain from contention. Enjoin thy subjects to the observance of the divine laws and of praiseworthy practices. Abate ignorance with a sharp sword. Withhold thy regard from treachery and its untruth. And lastly, do equal justice between the folk so they may love thee, great and small, and the wicked and corrupt of them may fear thee. Then he addressed himself to the emirs and ulema, which were present when he appointed his son to be his successor, saying, Beware ye of transgressing the commandment of your king, and neglecting to hearken to your chief, for therein lieth ruin for your realm, and sundering for your society, 
and bane for your bodies, and perdition for your possessions, and your foe would exult over you. Well ye wot the covenant ye made with me, and even thus shall be your covenant with this youth, and the troth which plighteth between you and me shall be also between you and him. Wherefore it behoveth you to give ear unto and obey his commandment, for that in this is the well-being of your conditions. So be ye constant with him, anent that wherein ye were with me, and your estate shall prosper, and your affairs be fair. For behold, he hath the kingship over you, and is the lord of your fortune, and the peace. Then the death-agony seized him, and his tongue was bridled. So he pressed his son to him, and kissed him, and gave thanks unto Allah, after which his hour came, and his soul fared forth. All his subjects and the people of his court mourned, and keened over him, and they shrouded him, and buried him with pomp and honour and reverence. After which they returned with the prince, and clad him in the royal robes, and crowned him with his father's crown, and put the seal-ring on his finger, after seating him on the throne of sovereignship. The young king ordered himself towards them, after his father's fashion of mildness and justice and benevolence, for a little while, till the world waylaid him, and entangled him in his lusts, whereupon its pleasures made him their prey, and he turned to its guilding and gigaws, forsaking the engagements which his father had imposed on him, and casting off his obedience to him, neglecting the affairs of his reign, and treading a road wherein was his own destruction. The love of women waxed stark in him, and came to such a pass that, whenever he heard tell of a beauty, he would send for her and take her to wife and after this wise he collected women more in number than ever had Solomon, David's son, king of the children of Israel. Also he would shut himself up with a company of them for a month at a time, during which he went not forth, neither inquired of his realm or its rule, nor looked into the grievances of such of his subjects as complained to him. And if they wrote to him, he returned them no reply. Now when they saw this, and witnessed his neglect of their affairs, and lack of care for their interests and those of the state, they were assured that ere long some calamity would betide them, and this was grievous to them. So they met privily one with other, and took counsel together, blaming their king. And one of them said to the rest, Come, let us go to Shimas, chief of the wazirs, and set forth to him our case and acquaint him with that wherein we are by reason of this king, so he may admonish him. Else in a little calamity will dawn upon us, for the world hath dazzled the sovereign with its delights, and seduced him with its snares. Accordingly they repaired to Shimas, and said to him, O wise man and prudent, the world hath dazed the king with its delights, and taken him in its toils so that he turneth unto vanity, and worketh for the undoing of the state. Now with the disordering of the state, the commons will be corrupted, and our affairs will run to ruin. 
we see him not for days and months, nor cometh there forth from him any commandment to us, or to the wazir, or any else. We cannot refer aught of our need to him, and he looketh not to the administration of justice, nor taketh thought to the condition of any of his subjects, and is disregard of them. And behold, we are come to acquaint thee with the truth of things, for that thou art the chiefest and most accomplished of us, and it behoveth not that calamity befall a land wherein thou dwellest, seeing that thou art most able of any to amend this king. Wherefore go thou, and speak with him. Haply he will hearken to thy word, and return unto the way of Allah. So Shemus arose forthright, and repairing to the palace, foregathered with the first page he could find, and said to him, Fair my son, I beseech thee ask leave for me to go in to the king, for I have an affair concerning which I would fain see his face, and acquaint him therewith, and hear what he shall answer me there anent. Answered the page, O my lord, by Allah, this month past hath he given none leave to come in to him, nor have I all this time looked upon his face. But I will direct thee to one who shall crave admission for thee. Do thou lay hold of such a blackamoor slave that standeth at his head, and bringeth him food from the kitchen. When he cometh forth to go to the kitchen, ask him what seemeth good to thee, for he will do for thee that which thou desirest. So the wazir repaired to the door of the kitchen, and sat there a little while, till up came the black, and would have entered the kitchen, but she must caught hold of him, and said to him, Dear my son, I would fain stand in presence of the king, and speak with him of somewhat specially concerneth him. So prithee, of thy kindness, when he hath ended his undern meal, and his temper is at its best, speak for me, and give me leave to approach him, so I may bespeak him of that which shall suit him. I hear and obey, answered the black, and taking the food carried it to the king, who ate thereof, and his temper was soothed thereby. Then said the black to him, Shemus standeth at the door, and craveth admission, so he may acquaint thee with matters that especially concern thee. At this the king was alarmed and disquieted, and commanded to admit the minister. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of Night 917 Night 918 When it was the nine hundred and eighteenth night, she resumed, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the king bade the blackamoor admit Shemas, the slave went forth to him and bade him enter, whereupon he went in, and falling prone before Allah, kissed the king's hands and blessed him. Then said the king, What hath betided thee, O Shemas, that thou seekest admission unto me? He answered, This long while have I not looked upon the face of my lord the king, and indeed I longed sore for thee. And now, behold, I have seen thy countenance, and come to thee with a word which I would leave say to thee, O king, established in all prosperity. Quoth the king, Say what seemeth good to thee, and quoth Shemus. 
I would have thee bear in mind, O King, that Allah Almighty hath endowed thee with learning and wisdom, for all the tenderness of thy years, such as he never vouchsafed unto any of the kings before thee, and hath fulfilled the measure of his bounties to thee with the kingship. And he loveth not that thou depart from that wherewith he hath endowed thee unto other than it, by means of thy disobedience to him. Wherefore, it behoveth thee not to levy war against him with thy hordes, but of his injunctions to be mindful, and unto his commandments obedient. Indeed, I have seen thee, this while past, forget thy sire and his charges, and reject his covenant, and neglect his counsel and words of wisdom, and renounce his justice and good governance, remembering not the bounty of Allah to thee, nor requiting it with gratitude and thanks to him. The king asked, How so? And what is the manner of this? And Shemus answered, The manner of it is that thou neglectest to administer the affairs of the state, and that which Allah hath committed unto thee of the interests of thy lieges, and surrenderest thyself to thy lower nature, in that which it maketh fair to thee of the slight lusts of the world. Verily it is said that the welfare of the state, and of the faith, and of the folk, is of the things which it behoveth the king to watch. Wherefore it is my red, O king, that thou look fairly to the issue of thine affair, for thus wilt thou find the manifest road wherein is salvation and not accept a trifling pleasure and a transient which leadeth to the abyss of destruction, lest there befall thee that which befell the fisherman. The king asked, What was that? And Shemus answered, There hath reached me this tale of the foolish fisherman. A fisherman went forth to a river for fishing therein, as was his wont, and when he came thither and walked upon the bridge, he saw a great fish, and said in himself, "'Twill not serve me to abide here, but I will follow yonder fish, whitherso it goeth, till I catch it, for it will relieve me from fishing for days and days." So he did off his clothes, and plunged into the river after the fish. The current bore him along till he overtook it, and laid hold of it. When he turned and found himself far from the bank, but albeit he saw what the stream had done with him, he would not loose the fish and return, but ventured life, and gripping it fast with both hands, let his body float with the flow, which carried him on till it cast him into a whirlpool none might enter and come out therefrom. With this he fell to crying out, and saying, Save a drowning man! And there came to him folk of the keepers of the river, and said to him, What ailed thee to cast thyself into this great peril? Quoth he, It was I myself who forsook the plain way wherein was salvation, and gave myself over to concupiscence and perdition. Quoth they, O fellow, why didst thou leave the way of safety, and cast thyself into this destruction, knowing from of old that none may enter herein and be saved? What hindered thee from throwing away what was in thy hand, and saving thyself? So hadst thou escaped with thy life, and not fallen into this perdition whence there is no deliverance, and now not one of us can rescue thee from this thy ruin. 
Accordingly, the man cut off all his hopes of life, and lost that which was in his hand, and for which his flesh had prompted him to venture himself, and died a miserable death. And I tell thee not this parable, O king, added Shimas, but that thou mayst leave this contemptible conduct that diverteth thee from thy duties, and look to that which is committed to thee of the rule of thy folk, and the maintenance of the order of thy realm, so that none may see fault in thee. The king asked, What wouldst thou have me do? And Shemus answered, Tomorrow, and thou be well and in good case, give the folk leave to come in to thee and look into their affairs, and excuse thyself to them, and promise them of thine own accord good governance and prosperity. Quoth the king, O Shemus, thou hast spoken sensibly and rightly and to-morrow, inshallah, I will do that which thou counsellest me. So the wazir went out from him, and told the lieges all he had said to him. And when morning morrowed, the king came forth of his privacy, and bade admit the people, to whom he excused himself, promising them that thenceforth he would deal with them as they wished, wherewith they were content, and departed each to his own dwelling. Then one of the king's wives, who was his best beloved of them, and most in honour with him, visited him, and seeing him changed of colour and thoughtful over his affairs, by reason of that which he had heard from his chief wazir, said to him, O king, how is it that I see thee troubled in mind? Hast thou aught to complain of? Answered he, No but my pleasures have distracted me from my duties. What right have I to be thus negligent of my affairs and those of my subjects? If I continue on this wise, soon, very soon, the kingdom will pass out of my hand. She rejoined, I see, O king, that thou hast been duped by the wazirs and ministers, who wish but to torment and entrap thee so thou mayst have no joyance of this thy kingship, neither feel ease nor taste delight. Nay, they would have thee consume thy life in warding off trouble from them, till thy days be wasted in travail and weariness, and thou be as one who slayeth himself for the benefit of another, or like the boy in the thieves. Asked the king, How was that? And she answered, they tell the following tale anent the boy and the thieves. Seven thieves once went out to steal according to their custom, and fell in with the boy, poor and orphan to boot, who besought them for somewhat to eat. One of them asked him, Wilt thou go with us, O boy, and we will feed thee, and give thee drink, clothe thee, and entreat thee kindly? And he answered, Needs must I go with you, whither so ye will, and ye are as my own kith and kin. So they took him, and fared on with him, till they came to a garden, and entering went round about therein, till they found a walnut-tree laden with ripe fruit, and said to him, O boy, wilt thou enter this garden with us, and swarm up this tree, and eat of its walnuts thy sufficiency, and throw the rest down to us? He consented and entered with them. 
and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of night nine hundred and eighteen.